Yeah, it's like, it's a crazy name because we try to like play off of our company name. Uh, inside the Crazy Ant Farm, it's like super duper long, but we, we like hyphenated it to It Calf Podcast to try to make it a little bit better, um, especially like when people are trying to search it on, you know, podcast platforms, it's definitely easier for them to just type that in instead of like that whole name. But this one is called Everything's Okay, uh, mental health podcast, just to let people know that, you know, things happen in life and sometimes they're out of your control, but it's, uh, it's okay to deal with it and process it. But then, you know, at the end of the day, everything's going to be okay and we can continue moving forward with continuing to try to grow uh, as human beings in our career and our family life, all of these different things. Um, the one I'm editing right now is with my business partner and his brother that he just found out that he had about like five years ago. Um, so yeah, like nobody in his family, like wanted to admit, like they gave up these kids for adoption. And so basically all the other kids found these other siblings that they didn't know they had. So like, it's this big whole thing. So yeah, it's, it's wild. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Would this technically be like your family too? Cause your business partner is your father-in-law. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Good this memory. is like this is a big yeah. family like situation <laughs> right now, which is kind of wild. What what sparked that? Like, I I saw that you posted this. You announced that you guys were making mm-hmm. content. What was the conversation? Was it like, hey, this is vital, and though our work yeah. is cool and it's entertaining, this is what's mm-hmm. actually necessary. Like, what drew that conversation? So honestly, uh, mental health has always been a big thing for me, uh, especially with everybody in my family. Everybody really literally everybody deals with anxiety and depression the two biggies um but then you know there's been a few instances where certain people of the family have you know had some suicide attempts and different things like that thank goodness that they're all still here with us today um so i'm very open about talking about all that stuff and it's very easy for me even though it's like a dark sensitive uh, subject um and then i just recently had like a best friend who was going to be a groomsman at my wedding who committed suicide um, Mm. right after the pandemic. So it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I did therapy, you know, that was very, you know, Q&A type of thing. Like, but then I felt like getting that out into the world will see that other people are going through the same thing. Um, So it was kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, we want people to feel like they're not alone and can hop on this and be like, okay, I see that they are also doing something that has kind of happened in my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like the mask of social media. You know, when you when yeah. you post stuff on social media, it's cliche, but like everybody looks like they're having a great time. It's like the the, exactly. the cliche saying is like, oh, they they look happy. They look like they're doing well. But even, you know, I make content on TikTok, for example, and people mm-hmm. will say, hey, like yeah. you seem comfortable, you know, comfortable and confident. Like, how do you how do you get to that mode? And it's like, hey, I also right. struggle quite a bit. Like, it's not like a it's easy for me to make content. Like, I just love movies and I want to talk about them, but it's right. not easy. There's there's a sense of maybe boundary that I don't know. I feel like we're afraid to take away and just like come across and say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm having a really hard time. You know, like I yeah, I I, I love this aspect and this element of my life, but really, like it's hard. And I just think people need to be a little bit more open and expressive to one another. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it kind of started with like the flagship podcast where we like touch on it a little bit in the, you know, the industry full of rejection, as they like to say, when it comes to actors and different things like that. So we touch on how like, you know, how do you approach that? Because in an industry full of no's, how do you, how do you wait out for that? Yes. You know, Mm. that type of thing. So it's a, it's very interesting to see how everybody navigates everything, but I there was this one story from a a guy who's been in it since like early nineties, I think he said. His name's Tony Winters. Um, and he was talking about how, you know, think about the acting industry as like, you know, shopping for a car. Casting directors are shopping for a car. They're looking for like, say, a Cadillac. Well, I am a Buick. Right now, they're not looking for a Buick. They're just looking for that Cadillac. So once they're looking for that Buick, then we'll come back around to where I'll be. So it's that type of thing. What a great analogy. I feel like right? <laughs> the stories I've heard, I'm, I'm not an actor, at least not currently, but the stories I've heard right. are, hey, they 
they do so much, so much work, so many auditions, mm-hmm. so many shows, so many yeah. even stage performances that they're trying to get on, and they never get them until like that one, right? Which in that scenario, exactly. maybe maybe that casting director was specifically looking for somebody like them, and if they had stopped working, maybe that never would have happened. Like I just think the odds exactly. of every element of of our lives are so rare so rare every bit of it this conversation that we're having the fact that you and i made an acquaintance through social media we live on complete opposite yeah. <laughs> ends of the nation like it's such a weird yeah. scenario but it's really cool so dude what is it really it? is because we're very like-minded individuals like so it's yeah. really cool to like even from our one interaction that we had on the podcast and going back and forth on social media we're just like dude what did you think about this like yeah. oh i thought the same thing or like yeah. even the little different things we're like oh I, I could see that i could see that you know it's really cool so this is eating at me is it j so what does the j stand for first and foremost so the j is my first name um james and but i go by logan i yeah i've always gone by logan my parents always um called me logan james is just kind of like a family name literally everybody on both sides of my family was named james so like i even have a brother named james my dad my grandpa both grandpas on both sides so like all of this big thing so they're like oh we got to name this kid but my kid will not be named james <laughs> what about <laughs> like, like john or peter happening. or something just very standard not, not standard uh, but yeah maybe traditional yeah something more you know we're going for um andrew joseph austin so that's nice. if we have a boy that's what it's gonna be yeah hell yeah um, andrew because that was my uh, older brother who passed away from sids that was way mm. before i was born but i kind of want to do it as like a acknowledgement to my mother and to show her that his memory lives on type of thing um joseph really it's for um friends for joey um but then later turning or finding out that my fiance's uncle who passed away is named joseph so i was like oh it's perfect it's fine it freaking works so <laughs> wait so yeah. are you a big friends crazy? fan are you is that like top I, tier I love Friends. My mom like basically raised me on Friends. It was on every single day. Is there any show that competes with that element, mm. with that type of show for mm. you? Like, does The Office? People, <laughs> people always say Seinfeld, but I, I can't. Like, you okay. know, I enjoy Seinfeld if it comes on, but like, it's nothing that I feel like compares to that. Um, something else that's kind of a guilty pleasure that I honestly really liked in my younger days was uh, Blue Mountain State. That show was freaking (laughs) wild. Um, But, I mean, I'm a really big adult animated guy. So, I mean, of course, the family guys. But I feel like BoJack Horseman took it in a completely different level to where, you know, now I'm trying to emulate that with one of the uh, television shows that I'm trying to create. So, all these different things, man. Okay. So, you just led two thoughts. Okay. First, we have to give credit to one of my my close (laughs) friends. His name is Austin. He's obsessed with BoJack Horseman. He tells me it's the best show ever created he's like it's so deep it's it's amazing but it's also like it's animated so it's fun so i had to mention that Mm -hmm. so shout out to austin but for sure this is a perfect segue to just introduce you to the show logan thank Mm. you for coming on seriously um like you said we've had one interaction one physical like podcast interaction um that's when you invited me on your podcast which check it out it calf right so i-t-c-a-f so check out that podcast. Yep, cast podcast. Yep. Um, and then you just created a new mental health podcast. Is it under the same mm-hmm. banner? Is it a different podcast completely? So it is a separate podcast, but you can find it all on our website, crazyantmedia.com. Um, Crazy and it's Ant called Media. every. Yeah, it's called uh, Everything's Okay. Just letting everybody know that, you know, no matter what you go through in life and uh, the trials and tribulations, because it is a roller coaster. It did not come with a handbook. Um, that everything will be okay at the end of the day, as long as you have that tight knit group of people, and as long as you get that out, because holding it in is what you know keeps us trapped into what we're going through. Yeah, I like that. And there's everybody needs a little validation, and sometimes that comes through the form of hearing somebody express similar mm-hmm. emotion. So, yeah, dude, I wanted to bring you on because you're fascinating to me as a human being (laughs) you're you're a writer you're a director you're a podcast host you're an owner of a media company like there's 
what this is wild you you have a lot going on <laughs> and i just i love bringing on people who are involved in film so we're going to talk a lot mm. about just the process of making a film because you've done it you know i know you've created is it one two three short films how so right now we are in uh, pre-production on our second short film okay. uh we are currently we have a short film already out there called Deadlines. It's on our YouTube channel, Crazy Ant Media, and on our website, like I mentioned before. Um, but I also want to say thank you for having me on because, bro, we've been, like like you said, corresponding back and forth on social media. And, like, the support has been nonstop. Like, it's been a vice versa type of thing. So it's just been a really good interaction because, you know, I feel like social media gets a bad rap a lot of the time. But to be able to make a connection like this and be like, okay – you know, I, I know that supports there. So it's a, it's a proof positive that it can be a good thing. I like that a proof positive. And I have to say you would, you know, maybe you feel differently, but in the world of film, it feels a little pretentious. So that's kind of the tough thing mm. is sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm assuming, but people want to seem like they know the most or that they, their opinion is best when it comes to what makes a film good, what makes a film great, what, what makes a film bad even, and I just like that our connection has always been simply off of the fact, hey, it's really cool what you're doing. And I'm like, hey, it's really cool what you're doing. You know, it's just been a vice versa <laughs> type situation. So, yeah, talk to me about your company. Talk to me about, like, what do you do? What Because you're in film. Do you focus more on the film side? Is it more on, like, social media? What's What's the vibe? Oh, man. So... It's kind of, how long do we have? That's the real question. <laughs> hey, there's no limit. There's yeah, no limit. I love it. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot that we do at Crazy Ant Media. It started off with just films. You know, we started off in Biloxi, Mississippi. I always say uh, outside of New Orleans. That's about an hour outside of New Orleans. And we just were focusing on film. And further along the line, you know, we started gaining notoriety from different places on social media. Um we gained the attention of an internet radio show who invited us on to talk about one of our film projects. And from that, they, in, they asked us to create our own internet radio show, which we did. And that's how it calf podcast was born. And, you know, the, the hype got so big that we were like, you know, we're just on this internet radio platform, but there's this podcasting thing as well where you can reach so many different audiences on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Hate Radio, all these different things, and YouTube. I mean, especially if you create video content. So we decided to step out of that internet radio space and then just completely become a straightforward podcast with videos on YouTube and different things like that. Um, but yeah, we do podcasts. Like I said, we just started the new podcast and have the old one, which we've been doing for about six years. Um, so that's been really, really fun. We've been, it start the original one started out as a way for us to build connections in the entertainment industry, you know, because it's more about who, you know, rather than what, you know, sometimes. Um, so that was a very interesting dynamic, uh, but it turned into something that we didn't even realize, which was helping other up-and-comers like ourselves break into the entertainment industry because we have different segments on the show. Um, We start off with industry news, you know, what's going down in Hollywood, Vancouver, Atlanta every single week. And then we lead into guest segments where we bring celebrities on from maybe your hit favorite hit show or a new movie that just came out or as small as a new barely budget indie film that want to promote their thing. I think that's what's special about our podcast is we talk to everybody. It doesn't matter what range of motion you're at or what level you are at in the entertainment industry. Uh, we just want to, you know, give you a platform to speak because I feel like a lot of times these publications, not that there's anything wrong with them, like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, any of their podcasts or anything, but you never really hear from the little guy. And I feel like that's very important sometimes because the process is what make people want to get involved in this industry so to let them in on what everything's about i feel like is very uh notable it's very honorable to you know the film industry that gets a bad rap sometimes because you you get these big stories like the harvey weinstein stories or the kevin spacey's or like all these different things that shed that that cloud over hollywood and over the entertainment industry but it's like it's not all like that there's a lot of good people who 
just want to make a living. It's just their job. You know, it's different. They're just creative people. So yeah, that's kind of what we do uh, right now. We have multiple projects in various stages of development. Uh, we are currently in pre-production on a short film that we're looking to shoot in Atlanta before the end of the year. We're really excited about that because it's completely different from what we did last time. Last time was a big social justice project uh, shot in black and white. But this time it's going to be more of a, a dramedy, I guess, comedy and drama mix a little bit uh, about anxiety and public speaking and, you know, the teachers of the world as well and how much pressure it puts on them to get in front of a classroom when they themselves may have stage fright or have public speaking problems. Um, so that's very fun. And we're also writing a television show that's about the entertainment industry that has to deal with old school Hollywood exec meets uh, new school social media influencer mm. and how they can help each other get to the same goals. And they learn from each other along the way to where the storyline just builds up and builds up. So we're very, very excited about that. That one's loosely based on myself and my business partner, Dustin. And then I mentioned a little bit about the uh, animated comedy that is loosely based on us as well um, that's set in New Orleans. That one, think BoJack Horseman meets Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So it's like okay. those two dynamics where it's like a little comedy, a little drama. Um, but yeah, man, a little bit of everything because we're trying to get into app development. We got merchandise. We have um, six employees, a part of the company right now. Um, we just brought on two new interns to run our social media. So, man, we're we're grinding. You're our rolling. model is bigger than the mouse. Bigger which than is, the mouse. Uh, Let's bigger go. Bigger than Disney one day. Yeah. Let's go, dude. That's Love really it. cool. Dude, Crazy Ant Media. Yeah, go <laughs> check you. them out. That is, that's just incredible that you have so much going on. And this, once again, sparked a good connection that we have because, uh, you know, this podcast is part of Film Update Time. So I like sharing film news. You and your partner, Dustin, share film news all the time on your podcast. So I actually want to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Is there any film news, whether that's something you learned today or the last couple of days or last week, that you think is worth sharing to the, just to the world? It's like saying, hey, this is what's going on. You know, I know one of them is Disney changing their release dates, so pushing a lot of mm. release dates back. Avatar 5, I, I believe, won't be coming out till. 2031 2031 yeah Yeah, james cameron's gonna be (laughs) 77 zoe saldana's gonna be i think 53 or 55 so crazy so yeah yeah they're gonna be a lot older i think that's worth mentioning but yeah is there anything you came across or or read about so it's more of a funny note than anything because right now we're in the process of relocating um dustin is staying here in charlotte north carolina and then i'm gonna head back down to the new orleans area and to try to set up things so we're taking like a year to shut things down here and then setting things up down there. Um, So right now we're in the middle of like moving and packing everything, but I saw a funny thing today. Al Pacino, a dad at 83. Isn't that wild? Al Pacino, (laughs) a dad at 83? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was the funniest thing ever, but his homeboy, freaking Robert De Niro, he just had a kid like a few months ago. So I mean, is this the new trend? I guess. I guess we're just <laughs> popping them out when we're like, you know, into our 80s and 80s, 70s. Like, whatever. <laughs> well, for anybody who doesn't know Al Pacino, I uh, just think The Godfather. I think that's like mm. the most, obviously, just the most uh, known project that he's had. But one of the most legendary actors, which, you know, we'll get mm. into classic films. Uh, we had talked about doing, hey, let's kind of a deep dive into the film aspect but also talk about classic movies, the pacing of movies, what's most important to a movie. I think those mm. conversations are really cool and worth having. So I got to ask, you know, before we dive in, what have you been watching? What's been the recent grab, whether it's movie, whether it's TV series, what have you been watching and why? What's, how, what's been uh, grabbing your attention? So I've been saying I've been doing a film study, which means I've been going and watching movies that came out before my time, right? Um, I created a list, a Google Doc, where it's like all these notable actors that I really admire, that I really respect. And I went through IMDb and was just like, okay, I've heard this one was good. I heard this one was good. I heard this one was good. So basically putting them on my watch list, but breaking it down between different actors and actresses. Um, So recently I just watched Dead Poet Society for the first time. 
Oh my goodness, man. That film just blew me away. Yeah? Talk about mental health right there. Oh my goodness. The the amount of pressure that a parent could put on their child and like Robin Williams in a dramatic role. Like I saw Goodwill Hunting and that's one of my favorite movies of all time, but he is so good in the dramatic roles. I just feel like he does not get enough credit in that lane. So You know what that, that was really me of? amazing? Like what? Jim Carrey, for example. Mm, Eternal Sunshine yeah. of the Spotless Mind. Even mm. uh I'm already forgetting it. The one where <laughs> I don't even want to spoil it now for anybody who hasn't right. seen it, but oh, I'm, I'm already forgetting. It's a super deep-oriented, kind of Inception-style role. Um, yeah. I'm going to feel stupid for forgetting the name. But he does so well in these mm. dramatic roles. Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Um, yes. Like, look at this this deep-oriented talent that these super comedic actors have inside of them. And I just wish that you know, rest in peace to Robin Williams. I just wish I saw a little bit more of that because he's extremely Same. charming and, and detailed in that role. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. I, uh, I'm kind of on the same level as you though, a little bit where I'm like, sometimes I only think about an actor for a certain thing, but then you go through their IMDb and you're like, wow, they were actually in all of this other stuff to where you're like, why is nobody talking about this? You know, like it's, yes. it's very interesting. Um, but I've been going back and watching some Clint Eastwood movies. Um, nice. I just watched Unforgiven for the first time. That was absolutely amazing as well. And I mean, Gene Hackman just stole it for me in that film. Um, he is another completely for, for our generation anyway, because you know, we, we're, we're all about what's new, what's happening now, and like some yep. more explosions and stuff like that. Not to fault us every single time, um, but I feel like you know we could go be better about going back and watching some classics. Um, but yeah, Gene Hackman was really amazing and Unforgiven. The Truman Last Show, year. by the way, that's what it's called. Mm, the yes, Show. The Truman Show is so good. Um, I believe Ed Harris is in that as well. He's the guy that's like watching yeah. over them, all of them. Yeah, so freaking good. Um, do you have a genre then, that you like gravitate toward? Like, are you mm, a heavy drama? Are you like, Hey, I need some comedic just relief. So I kind of write comedies. It, it's kind of like, depending on my mood, honestly, if I'm like in a, comp if I'm like, in like just a, a learning type of mood, I'm definitely gearing towards like a drama that I know has like a notable director. Like you and I shared this love for Christopher Nolan, so like any time yes. that I can go and watch a movie of his that I haven't seen yet, I definitely will just for those color tones, for those different aspects and angles that he provides to the audience that makes them feel some type of way without them even knowing that. I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, but honestly, drama, drama is one of my favorites just because like, I feel like that has the most depth. It definitely, um, you know, it makes you leave the theater feeling some type of way. And I know not a lot of people, the average viewer doesn't necessarily feel that every time they go and see a movie. But sometimes when I go see a movie, I'm, I'm looking for an emotional, not, I don't want to say emotional roller coaster, but I, I want it to change like how I'm feeling in the moment, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, just trying to, you know, gain a new perspective, I guess you could say. But yeah, mostly drama. I'm always looking for a good comedy. I'm actually a really big rom-com fan. I give okay. that credit to my uh, give me your fiance, best. Emily. Give, give me the best rom-com. Mm, or fan mm. favorite, like maybe couple favorite, you know, you and your, <laughs> you and your fiance, you know, maybe you guys have a favorite. That's so funny. Well, she, I don't, nobody take away my man card. Nobody take away my man <laughs> card. But um, she introduced me to Devil Wears Prada. You know, okay. and that one is actually really good. Anne Hathaway, uh, the genius Meryl Strip and Streep, and freaking Emily Blunt. It's like Stanley Tucci. Like it's so freaking hilarious. And then there's the a love dynamic. I believe the main character um, from Entourage, Adrian Guerrier or something like that. He's the love interest in that. So it's it's pretty funny. It's really good. Okay, Devil Wears Prada. I would say. You know, my girlfriend and her family are obsessed with Crazy Rich Asians, so I feel like that's yes, always, that's that's always just going to sit at the top of my list because I've now seen it so many times subconsciously being at their house, and it's just playing on repeat. So, all right, rom-coms. That's a, that's a good move. That's a good move. I don't hear it often, but I, really also like, 
I like that you said Christopher Nolan. Do you think Christopher Nolan will ever do a rom-com? Dude, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I, uh, I have to throw that into the universe just to see if there's any sure. slight. Oh my goodness, that, that fruition would be crazy. <laughs> so what inspired you then to like actually make a movie? So instead of talking about it, instead of you know maybe reading about it and being intrigued, you know what actually got you over the hump? I think it really was, you know, I got inspired by my business partner, Dustin, because there is an age gap. He is my father-in-law. So there, he's got probably like 27, 26 years on me. And like his passion for the entertainment industry is just something that I've really never seen before. So that was definitely inspiring, but it kind of put, you know, connected some dots when I met him because even when I was in high school, as soon as I got my license, I was going to the movie theaters by myself to see movies. And I was at home on Netflix watching older movies, not the new stuff they put out. So like when I started to talk to him about all of these different things, like it really just all kind of started making sense, if that makes sense. It's just like, you know, we're big believers of everything happens for a reason. And I definitely feel like this is what it was. And just to be able to tell a story that has people talking to have people have a conversation because there is a lot of time where, you know, we sit in silence or we're watching TV with dinner or like all these different things. So the more conversations you can have, I feel like the greater life is. And we always say too, that the greatest form of education is through entertainment um, because that's when you can start to learn different things about different points in history, different points of view, all of these different aspects in life that just help you move forward, I guess you could say. I'd love that you said the you kind of intertwined the deeper meaning to entertainment. That's what we see mm -hmm. now. It's we're, mm -hmm. we're not seeing newspapers anymore. No. We're not going to the whole reason why I make my social media content is cuz people don't like reading articles. I like reading them, but people don't, so I make it in a form <laughs> that they'll learn from it the way that I learned from an article. So, mm -hmm. I like that you intertwine the two. And correct me if I'm wrong, you met Dustin before your fiance, right? Yes, yes. So, like so said, how did again. yeah, tell me how that works. <laughs> great memory, great memory. Um we actually worked at a news television station together. Um where I was just a studio op, you know, running live shots uh with reporters out in the field and sometimes in the studio. And he ran audio in the studio, so he would control the microphones and control when to play um, like snippets and clips and like all of these different things. So yeah, that's how, kind of how we met. And honestly, we bonded over Marvel because I mean, I feel like a lot of people do bond over superhero movies nowadays. Um, but then once we got started with all this stuff, I uh, he brought me in on a project where I actually started off as just an associate producer, um, an AP. Uh, industry like little term but yeah it's uh it's very interesting to see where i was to where i am now and the growth that you can make in this industry depending on how much you put into it i love that are you guys still associated with that company or is it kind of like hey we decided to fully step away we don't have any partnership or any ties to them so it was called crazy ant films so not much different um, but just with that, it was started before my time, uh, before I entered the company. And I mean, you know, creative differences happen and everybody has, you know, life that happens. Either you get married or you move to a different state or all of these different things. So different priorities take precedent. Um, so that's just kind of what happened with that one. We just decided to dissolve that company and then reincorporate with this new company to where, you know, him and I have always had this big vision of wanting to be bigger than the stars basically um so yeah it just kind of formed from there nothing too crazy though i mean we're still friends with everybody everybody's still on good terms and we always say too because those projects are still just sitting in a drawer we always say you know whenever you're ready we'll be more than happy to help you make this but without you we don't want to touch it okay okay so if you had your way, let's just say things go well, you, you, you obviously are working extremely hard, is the goal to become like a, like a production company to provide funding? Is it like a studio to provide like a space to shoot? Is it to a media company to provide representation for 
actors? Like what, what is maybe the direction that you want to accomplish with it? Well, I love that you say that because it's literally all of the above. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're looking right now when we relocate fully, when he comes down, um, we're opening up a podcast studio. That's the first step where we'll have a podcast space where people can rent out the equipment depending on what tier they get. Um, they'll either just be able to sit down, record, and we'll give them like a thumb drive or we can edit it for them or they could be under our banner, all these different things. Um, but yeah, we want to be a little bit of everything because we actually do represent an actor. We got somebody under our belt who just was in a Hallmark movie last year. So that's very exciting. Um, oh. And then, yeah, we, we want to continue making productions, uh, whether that be our own, whether that be different people who come into the company that are like, you know, can we, you know, can you help us shoot this? Um, can you direct it? Can you produce it? All of these different things. So we're open to basically anything. Like I said, we have a half idea in development. So yeah, man, media means literally everything. I even everything. have an idea for music. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. So you said Marvel. Can I ask you? Yes, You're of taking- course. <laughs> which which duo are you taking? Are you taking Infinity War Endgame? Or are you taking Spider-Man into and across the Spider-Verse? Oh my goodness. That is such a hard question. <laughs> wow, dude. Wow. This might be a poll question. I might need to post this on social media. I think, I think you might need to. You get a lot of interaction with that one. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you because we just, we're going to be putting out a... Um, a ranking of all of our Marvel movies from like least to greatest. Um, and people will see infinity war is not actually, it's in my top 10, but it's on the Ooh. lower end of the 10. Yeah. Is this a hot um, take? <laughs> hot take, hot take. So that's what we're I here for. I love Endgame. Um, so I think I'm going to have to go with the animated side because I also think that across the universe will also win the Oscar, just like it's first one. So yeah, I think I think both into and and across the Spider Verse, I think they're two of the best animated projects ever pieced together. I mean, visually, the story, the way that they creatively piece these these characters, and then the way that oh, yeah. canon is the basis of their story, like that's really cool, you know. And they, it can oh, yeah. easily come across as cheesy, and it doesn't like at all. It comes, it's super authentic. So I like yeah, I like that duo quite a bit. Um, I'm assuming you saw the second one already. Yes, yeah. Dude, freaking Gwen Stacy's universe with the paint. Incredible. Oh my gosh. Incredible. That was like my favorite thing. I just, yeah, it was so beautiful. Yeah, anytime you can incorporate emotion and colors within mm. a sequence, that right there is yeah. different. That's why I liked Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio because he mm, incorporated yeah. so many different elements that you're not used to seeing in an animated film bring the the type of emotion you want to feel. You mentioned going to a movie. You want to... I mean, essentially, you, say, you said, I want to feel something. If I'm going to go to yes. the movies, like, make me feel the way you interpreted this movie or you, you meant this movie to make me feel, you know? Like, if yeah. I need to feel sad, I want to feel sad. And so that's how I determine whether a movie is good or not, is I say, hey, did I feel the way that this movie wanted me to feel? The director, the right. creator, anybody involved. And so this this might get tricky because it's such a broad question. What do you consider like the hardest element to making a film? You know, is it the framing? Is it the, the actors? Is it the talent that you can get? Is it the, you know, what are we doing for music? You know, do we just buy music? Do we license it? Do we find a creator, an artist? What do you consider that hardest element since you've made a short film already? I mean, so far, um, my, what I feel like is the hardest is the producing aspect this is the, I mean, everybody always thinks, you know, the director is like the captain of the ship and which, you know, they are once they get on set. But in my experience, the producing, like, that is so difficult. That is so many different things that are always revolving in a nonstop revolving door on multiple different sides. Because um, you got to think about locations, you got to think about 
money, you got to think about how's an actor coming into this and like flying an actor into there and like all of these different things. And the, yeah, the budgeting, I just leave that to Dustin. I'm like, that is you, bro. <laughs> that is all you. I am like a hardcore creative. I do produce. I do look for locations. I do do that type of stuff. I work where I can, but he is definitely the the mastermind when it comes to the producing. I I love the creative aspect, the shot selections, because um, I'm actually going to be DPing our next short film. So I'm really excited about that nice. challenge. Um, so yeah, it's going to be definitely very interesting. We're still going to co-direct it, but I'm actually going to be stepping behind the camera and, you know, getting what I think will be an amazing time. So I'm really excited. Well, I think this, this opens up a conversation worth having because I was confused myself up until, you know, cause if you watch movies, you don't really think into the depths of, well, what does this person do? What does this person do? And then you start right. really investigating it once you get into movies further and you're looking up directors or actors, cinematographers, composers, you name it. And so the, I think the biggest shock value for me is when I learned that a director is really like a, like a contractor. Like if you think of a house, yeah. <laughs> like a contractor yeah. is not the person who owns the material, who is the one that can actually put the material together, who's the painter, right. who's the plumber. He's just the one who knows how to get everybody together and how to do a great yep. job. And I feel like that's maybe the misconception with just the world. Like people don't know what directors do. And I don't really know, but I'm starting to learn slowly and surely. And it's the producing mm-hmm. side that has very just full on in like they're pretty much in charge of everything hands on. Whereas the director, unless you're a Christopher Nolan or yeah. Quentin Tarantino who do pick up the camera and actually film at times, they tend to be more of a delegating. Like, hey, I know what I want, and I, I just need to get the pieces mm-hmm. in place to provide that. Yeah, um, I was, exactly. yeah, I just, I was curious. Yeah, once- I didn't even ask a question, but I was curious. Like, you've been in that <laughs> role, so is that correct? Is that kind of where a director falls in, and who does maybe quote unquote the most work? Oh man, I feel like, you know, it depends on what type of set you're on because if you're on an indie film set like what we've been creating and what we've been doing, it's uh you're a little bit of everything. You wear multiple yep. different hats and you got to, you know, be able to be comfortable with that. Like with what we're doing now with the previous film and this film, um we're we're doing a little bit of everything and yeah, the the label label of uh, stability is very important because you have to be able to take off one hat and put another one hat another hat on like as quick as possible to be able to figure stuff out. Um, but the most, mm, who has, and have you enjoyed one part more than the other? So to speak, like like was directing more enjoyable was filming was like, what was the, maybe the most enjoyable aspect? So, yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I really, I really enjoy the directing. That was something that was completely new to me, but I am a writer and I love editing. I edit together all of our podcasts and all of those different things. So one of these times when we do a short film, I definitely want to take a crack at the editing and post-production and be able to knock one of those out as well. I feel like that would be a huge accomplishment in my book. So what does that look like on your scale? If you don't mind me delving into that, like, do you guys hire an editor? Sure. Do you send the content out? Like, does does Dustin do it? Like, what is maybe the the structure right now? So it really is different for each film. Uh, last time we literally didn't get an editor until we were finished with filming. Um, but an editor can be brought in at any phase of production, whether that be pre-production, production, post-production, or distribution. Uh, well, not distribution, because obviously it would need to be done by then. Um, but I feel like, you know, it really depends on who the producer is and where the money is coming from and how much money you have to spend. Um, Like I said, last time we brought in an editor at the very end, and I would definitely want to bring in one before that this time. Um, Around, you know, when we're in the middle of production, I definitely want to have somebody ready to go be able to show them dailies and be able to be like, okay, this is kind of our vision and this is what we're kind of looking to get. Um, And it's very much a collaborative effort with the editor because sometimes 
you don't want to have a place where you don't have a shop to go to, right? Whether that be just something that is like a pan off into the abyss or just like miscellaneous stuff on the floor or all these different things. You want to have as much extra footage as possible so that when there's something weird going on with somebody's face or like the boom pole gets in the shot a little bit at top or all these different <laughs> things. You want to have a shot to go to no matter what. So that's why it's important to shoot as much as possible. But yeah, to be able to, you know, have all your ducks in a row as quick as possible is definitely the idea thing, the ideal thing, but it's not necessarily how it always works out in the indie film wor- film world. How did, how long did your uh, first film take to, just like, was it a week filming? Was it two days? So was it... It, yeah, it was two days. It was a weekend shoot. Um, we shot it on a local uh, HBCU um, here in Charlotte. So that was a really amazing time. But it was during COVID. So the campus was completely clear. Um, and we got a whole dorm building. They We technically only rented out a room, but it was during the summer and nobody else was there. And when the advisors and the people who were associated with the campus came in and was like checking on everything, like we had stuff kind of everywhere and they didn't mind it. So we had a whole building to ourselves and we were even able to shoot on the exterior parts of the campus that we wanted to. And yeah, it was a very like cool experience. And we got to give a shout out to uh, Johnson C. Smith university that uh let us use their campus for filming and yeah it was just it was a really good experience who did you get to act like how did you find the people that you needed as your characters oh man so we uh we reference imdb pro as the bible um because not only do we get our industry news for our podcast there every single week but you can also post for different positions that you need on your film set, um, whether that be actor, director, producer, all of these different things. So that's how we did it. We sent a, um, a submission out to IMDb Pro where we were like, we were looking for these two roles. And we just went through a whole bunch of self-tapes, which led into, you know, Zoom live auditions and then into chemistry reads and just finding the best possible people who just gelled well together and who did the best in their uh, portrayal of the characters. And then um, finally there were like little behind the scene shots that we had to do. And it was kind of just like a chemistry day to see how our two actresses would uh, be with each other. And it was just a great time. So that's, that's kind of how you have to do it. You just got to fill out everybody's chemistry to make sure like, you know, they can do the job, but you also want it to have it be as smooth as possible on set. That is very important. Yeah, and I think many people don't know that IMDb and IMDb Pro are separate services. IMDb Pro is mm-hmm. is a monthly subscription, right? Is it uh mm-hmm. h- how much do you pay? How or how much is like the base deal there? So, for an individual, it's um 20 bucks a month and we do a company one which gives us like eight accounts for $80 a month. So that's like literally nice. $10 a person. Yeah. And you th- and you could reach out to like the management for directors and actors and pretty much anybody in the industry, right? Yeah, exactly. That's how we do. That's how we reach out to our guests uh, normally for our podcast. Oh, the dog is coming to join. Oh, that's uh, what we, we need. We need pups to join. We need more pups. We need more pups. But yeah, that's how we normally set up interviews for our podcast. We reach out to the managers or the publicists um, via IMDb Pro. And we actually, we've been talking about Christopher Nolan this whole interview. John Papsidera, who is Christopher Nolan's personal casting director, um, has come on our podcast about twice, uh, two times. And we've talked about, um, of course, the Dark Knight trilogy and all of the different things he helped with that. But he also cast um, Taylor Sheridan shows like Yellowstone and 1923 and 1883, all this stuff. And, of course, he did Oppenheimer as well. And he is also about to do the new Superman movie for James Gunn. So this is a wow. huge connection for us that we gained through IMDb Pro. And now I'm like, I can just email this guy whenever I want to. It's crazy. Dude, so that leads me into like such a curiosity. Who do you consider the biggest or best or most intriguing guest that you've had on your podcast? 
Mm, uh, for current daytime, I would definitely. I mean, they're all amazing. You can't. You can't like make any bones about it. But for current times and for what we see on our podcast listens and YouTube views and things like that, he is definitely up there as one of the most notable and most listened to. It's almost every single week that we're gaining at least, oh, I don't even know, like 250, 300 new views. And we haven't interviewed him in like a year. So, I mean, that that's a pretty old interview uh, from the second one. But we also interviewed Ed Asner who was on the Mary Tyler Moore show and on um, Lou Grant, which is a very famous show, two famous shows for people back in the day, the older people. Um, and we also interviewed William Daniels, who is Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Um, nice. So that was a really cool one. Um, but yeah, just a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different projects that we've just been really fortunate enough to come in contact with. And we've been very fortunate too that None of them have really been like egotistical, you know, people always yeah. think, you know, never meet your idols, but these, these people have all been very genuine and very, very nice. So we're, we're truly blessed. Everybody's working, right? Everybody's trying, yeah. it, regardless of success and, and financials and whatever the case may be, everybody's working They're, you know, everybody's exactly. putting their best foot forward. So I, maybe this is a terrible question to ask, but. <laughs> this goes in my question of like important elements, right? Because you have sure. that director, we had that director chat. Like what would damage a movie the most if it was not included? Would it be the, the type of talent, like the script mm. itself, the type of director, maybe a composer? Like what, I guess I'm trying to do reverse psychology and figuring out what is the most important element to a movie. It's really all about what the audience is looking to get out of the movie. Uh, I feel like for me personally, pacing is very important. Um, dialogue, you know, is either it can be here nor there. It can save a movie, but sometimes I feel like, you know, they throw in stuff that is not necessarily like important, I guess you could say. Uh, but pacing's a big thing for me and just shot selection is very important. Like sometimes I'm watching a movie with my fiance or watching a movie with friends. I'm like, what, what was that? Why, why are they making this weird zoom and then cutting to like another weird zoom and like all these different aspects. So like, I'm a very much a, an image person when it comes to movies or photography or all these different things. So I, if it's not visibly pleasant to watch, then it's difficult for me to watch a film. Um, I can definitely get by with like lukewarm dialogue and nothing too crazy, but I mean, you know, if it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, that that's too much, I you know just can't can't continue on. But I always try to finish a movie at least because you know a lot of people put their heart, their effort, a lot of time into a film. So just because it's not necessarily my cup of tea doesn't mean it's not others. So I at least for the respect of the filmmaker, for the respect of the writer and the crew. I always try to at least finish a film um, just to, you know, give them that that audience. Is there ever a movie you've walked out of in a theater? Like, mm. just like this is just either so controversial or maybe bad in your opinion where you're just like, ah, this is not for me. Any movie? Oh, man, that's, that's hard to say. Um, I, I think I have to go back to when I was in high school, um, the second Dumb and Dumber came out. And, you know, the first the, the first one's a classic. And I mean, it's hard to top that. And then plus there was that long that long gap period between the first and the second one. And I just I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of the first or the second one. So I think I don't remember if we finished it, but I definitely thought multiple times during the movie, man, we could really be doing something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like. It's so weird because sometimes movies come out and critics are like, this is incredible. And then I watch it and I'm like, man, what am I missing here? Or vice versa, where somebody says, you know, this is really terrible. But I'm like, hey, I, like, don't worry, darling, is one of those movies that I yeah. actually enjoyed. I was like, what do people okay. not like about this movie? Yeah. I don't know. I, I was intrigued. Yeah. I think it pulls just like Nope pulls from Jaws and all these horror yeah. elements, these classic elements. I felt like Don't Worry Darling did that with the Truman Show and, and Inception. They're obviously very different, but I felt that pulling yeah. from maybe that inspiration. So it's it's intriguing to think what movies 
people think are good and others think are bad. And that's what makes movie talk so fun because it's so subjective. Uh, Exactly. It's so, it's so opinionated. And I'm actually glad you brought up Don't Worry Darling because I haven't seen it yet. So that's good that you liked it because we liked the same thing. So I might have to check that out now. But we, we, uh, we bonded on The Lighthouse. Um, yes, the, the, the I was just gonna bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> like that one, dude. I was so hard. It was so difficult to get through, and like being filmmakers ourselves, and you be. I watched it with Dustin in a theater, and we're just like, "What are we watching right now?" It is crazy. Yes, and it's you know it's crazy thinking back to that time because I came on your podcast. Right around the Batman, when the Batman was coming out, yeah. it was either right before yeah. or right after, and we were talking about Robert Pattinson, and so you you yeah. had this look in your eye like, hey, I know you like him, but the lighthouse, mate, like, how do you feel? And I was like, yeah, I fucking hate that movie, and you're like, oh, okay, good, we're good. Like, All right. thank God. <laughs> it was kind of like, a, that was your test, that was your test to see if, like, we were good or not, and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. That was the only movie I can think back on where I was in theaters and i was i was considering leaving i was like i yeah. i this might be it this might be the movie i walk out of i will say if black adam was not a, uh an advanced screening that was free i yeah. probably would have walked right. out because i i felt pretty underwhelmed in that film but to your point and i don't want to take away from this whether it's the lighthouse whether it's black adam whether it's the second dumb and dumber movie like these are these are thousands of people working on a film yeah. it's not just the actors or the film style or the direction and the way that you see mm-hmm. it in front of you, there's a lot of hard work behind the wheels. So I don't there take is. that way. I don't discredit that in any way, shape, or form. Um, I do need to dive in as our last kind of topic here, classic sure. movies. Because I don't get to talk about classic movies, and I don't know how far back your classic movies go, but if you were to choose one, a favorite Sell me on a favorite classic movie. Why should I go literally see this movie tonight? Man, um, if I feel like, you know, it might be a basic answer, but it's a really good one. And that is Casablanca. This is a classic love story where, you know, sometimes people at a certain point in their lives, they can't necessarily be together. And then when they reunite, they still can't necessarily be together because different circumstances approach are come to themselves as they as they um, grow into human beings and they grow apart and you grow more as individuals but when you will always have that one memory or those couple memories that you'll just look back on and be fond of but yeah something about Casablanca I mean maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but uh, it's just the, the the dynamic between the two actors and of course, being black and white, that's why we uh, shot our film in black and white to pay homage to the classic films that came before us, like Twelve Angry Men and Casablanca and like On the Waterfront, all of these different ones that are just, you know, it's something so special that I feel like, you know, we just don't necessarily see nowadays. The very story-driven films are the films that are not getting any box office revenue, which is unfortunate to see. But they're the ones that move you the most, um, like Honey Boy, um, like all these different ones that you know Great pick, make you. By the way. Honey yeah, Boy. right. Um, that just they they let you leave the theater feeling feeling something inside, like we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. Casablanca is definitely one of my all time favorites. I uh, I also just watched Rebel in the Rye, or not Rebel in the Rye. Um, shit, I'm gonna fucking. The, um, it's a James Dean movie, and it's one of his classics. But yeah, I'm gonna get nailed for not remembering that. But it's dude, okay. that's that's my Truman uh, situation, man. That's my Truman <laughs> yeah. show situation. Don't even Rebel stress without in a the cause. slides. Rebel, Rebel without, without a, a cause. cause. Okay. Yes, so yes. I did not grow up on any classic early 1900s films. I grew mm. up a lot on Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Like I, I grew up on the classic 80s. You know, I grew up for on. Sure. You know, the Rambo series, uh, Rocky, the Terminator, all these different maybe action type, you know, high energy. Whereas now I'm getting into, you know, the It's a Wonderful Life, Casablanca, Singing in the Rain, Mm, like these these classical films. And what I'm realizing, and this, this was a conversation I had on a previous podcast, 
is this talent that was present during that moment where they're not cutting a sequence in two, three, four minutes. They're letting these sequences roll for 10, 15, 20 minutes without yeah. cutting anything. And they're just yeah. acting and they're they're going back and forth and the banter and it's really natural. And that is something I looked at and I was like, wow, I missed that. Like, where do I yeah. see that nowadays? And you do see that in kind of the, the classical filmmakers like Paul Schrader. Mm-hmm who, you know, I just mm-hmm. watched First Reformed, which if anybody hasn't yeah. seen that movie, I would highly recommend it. Very slow pacing, but in a, yeah. maybe like a powerful way because of the meaning behind the dialogue, the meaning behind mm. the emotion that you're supposed to feel. Paul Thomas Anderson is another classic filmmaker, in my opinion, because yeah. he's very patient. I mean, There Will Be Blood mm. might be top five favorite <laughs> films of mine. It's just... yeah mind-boggling but i think it mm-hmm. it speaks to a a different type of audience whereas nowadays yeah. marvel films they're fun mm-hmm. dc films they're fun james bond films are fun these high intense fast-paced films are kind of in the trend of tiktok and social media because things move so fast yeah. whereas those classic films are slow paced so i do want to mm-hmm. ask is there an element to classical films that is better than what we have today? And is there one that's worse? Like, have we actually developed upon, of course, like special effects, but is there something right. else that might come to mind on like, hey, we've we've done better now than we did in the past? Mm. So, I mean, it's a, it's a give and take any way you look at it because, you know, sometimes I feel like because we're in the social media age, we grew up with it and people who didn't grow up with it have adapted to it. Um, so I feel like, you know, the social or the, uh, the attention span isn't necessarily... 100% there as it used to be. And that's just kind of the world we live in now. There's no one you can really put at fault for that because we all kind of like transformed into that. Um, but I mean, the technology that we have now is just out of this world. Of course, like you said, the special effects, um, the creations of like John Favreau, what he was able to do with the Mandalorian and what he started with the MCU. Um, but if you go back and watch like the Disney plus documentaries about the making of the Mandalorian, like that whole freaking, like, it's not Wild. a CGI wall. It's a huge wall where it like, it looks like you're at this location. Like it's completely crazy. And this wall is like, like, I don't even know. I think Probably it's the like, volume. I think it's yeah, called the volume. I think that it's yeah. like called. Yeah. But it's like a mile long and it's like this best thing of technology. But he also learned from one of the greatest, which is George Lucas, because George Lucas created all of this technology that he doesn't necessarily get like all the credit for. So it's a really cool thing that, you know, all these people in the Star Wars universe are being able to like capitalize and get recognition sometimes. And like, it's a really cool thing. But of course, like I miss the story driven films. I love the story driven films. Um, one that you might not have seen yet this year um, that's very story-driven but is also, like, action-packed is The Covenant with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, really good. It, I loved it. It was so good, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, just the dynamic between the family and the brotherhood. and But then you also have gunfights and explosions and that type of thing. So. It's just, you know, trying to balance it out a little bit where it's not so leaning one way or leaning the other way. I think it's very important to try to find that middle and be able to create something that leaves, has people leave the theater feeling some type of way. Yeah. And I think having or asking for one, you know, saying, hey, I want all the classic film type style back. I think that's impossible to ask. And I think saying, oh, we're going to avoid those. And that's, you know, that's in the past. I also think that's impossible to say. So -hmm. I think if there is a hybrid, like you said, you know, hey, if we can include a, you know, a healthy amount of maybe this action or enticement or intensity that would really draw in these, you know, maybe these fans who want that purely, mm-hmm. but then you can insert story. You know, Guardians right. of the Galaxy Volume 3, I think, is a great example of Agreed. goofiness, but emotional elements that that meant so much to the to these characters and meant so much mm. to the audiences. I was crying, I was tearing up, you know, Me I'm too. a big animal Me fan. Too. So yes. like it was so goofy. <laughs> they're they're literally in space yeah. and even on his sets, he's doing hybrid sets where he's building a set and yeah. then incorporating green screen or CGI yeah. and not just incorporating CGI, 
So I think James Gunn even understands, hey, the hybrid element, you know, we need we need as much entertainment as we do emotion. And if you can intertwine mm-hmm. the two, I think that's a perfect film. Yeah, I completely agree. And one that I also want to mention a little bit, because this is the first film that came to mind when, you know, you brought up the the opportunity to come on this podcast. And that's uh, 1917. Uh, one of my mm. all-time favorite films, cinematically beautiful. The color tones are amazing. The one shot, the whole entire film. But that story is so impactful. That that ending scene, or one of the ending scenes where the soldier is singing to his fellow comrades. And like, oh my goodness. that That is by far, I feel like a new age film where it could be the definition of a perfect movie, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I, I feel like, you know... I forget what won that year, but I was definitely pulling for 1917 at the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, what what did win that year? I'm actually curious. I know, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was two years ago or three years ago. Yeah, it was known for... Um, it was definitely known for that one take shot style. I believe they, they said there were actually 11 takes, which is still bonkers to me. But it's still crazy. It felt like one, you know, maybe two, but it truly felt like you're going one take the entire film, which was like yeah. two hours, maybe even on the dot, a two hour yeah. film. That's, yeah. I think, oh, by the way, I think I know what won. And I, I think it was, <laughs> was Parasite. It? And I, uh, I think Parasite deserves to win. Yeah, you love Parasite. <laughs> I literally watched Parasite last night, and I was just like, wow. This film <laughs> I saw is... your thing on Instagram, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's inserting so much. But th- once again, such a subjective topic, you know, because some people might look at 1917 and say, nobody's doing this. This is it. This is the style. Yeah. This is everything I need in a film. And somebody might be looking at Parasite and saying, nobody's doing this. This is perfect. Exactly. And so exactly. I like having those conversations because I think in one way or another, I'll watch 1917 and I'll say, whoa, that movie is so good. And I would imagine, right. you know, most people would watch Parasite and say, whoa, that movie's really good. So as long oh, yeah. as you Definitely. can share what what you've enjoyed or share the movies that have made you feel something, I think other people will benefit in one way or another as well. So oh, what's completely uh, agree. What's what's AI going to do? My last question. Do you think AI is going to make this uh, kind of take the classical aspect out completely? Do you think it's going to make it better? I mm. I don't know. So I, I got to get your yeah. take on this. There's a lot of different opinions. Of course, you know, when it comes to the writing aspect, we are in the middle of a writing strike or a writer strike, um, you know, to have writers be compensated for their time and efforts and to try to navigate the the issue of AI or the complement of AI, depending on how you look at it. Um, it is very interesting because you, you brought up industry news earlier. Paul McCartney wants to make a new song with John Lennon using AI. That is crazy to me. I feel like, you know, if that's too far. That man's been dead for years. I just feel like, you know, I get that was, it is so crazy. Well, I mean, just a couple of years ago, they were talking about digitally um, placing James Dean's face on somebody for a war for a war movie, but I don't think that went anywhere. Um, but yeah, I just feel like you know, if we can find a way to use AI to our advantage that doesn't necessarily take away jobs, I feel like that's where we find the balance um, because you know. The economy is so important and to have as many creators doing what they want to do is so important. So as long as we can find that balance to use it to our advantage and not, you know, take down the next person trying to make it in the industry, I feel like we'll be all right. But right now we're just, we're kind of scared. So I, yeah. I see, I see all sides, but you know, I just, I'm interested to see how it's all going to play out because yeah, I don't, I don't think the conversation is going to end anytime soon. No, I mean, there's even for anybody who's been on Facebook, I feel like it was showed a lot or was shown a lot on Facebook, but there was the Wes Anderson AI Mm. Star Wars like trailer that was put together. And and it wasn't Wes Anderson who put it together, but they this creator made this trailer for Star Wars in a Wes Anderson style um, just method, you know, and he used voices and everything. And it was it was beautiful. And so that scares yeah. me because I'm just like, yeah. whoa, what is this? This takes away that authenticity. It obviously mm-hmm. makes the the work a lot more efficient. It's a lot, you know, you can utilize it as a resource. 
I I help I actually used ChatGPT to help me find a song that I'm going to include in my short film that I'm writing, and yeah. I really allowed it to help me narrow down because then it's just me going on Google, typing in, and trying to find it. But this kind of took the time away. So I think there are positive elements, but it is scary. I I don't know what's what this is going to do. It it might be really really good, or it could you know maybe change the industry completely. So. Yeah, well, I'm not going to lie to you. My One of my favorite TikTok accounts right now, because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, and there's a TikTok account that uses AI with voices, and it'll literally have the character explaining their whole backstory. So, like, it's not mm. just Harry, it's not just Ron, it's not Hermione, but it'll be, like, Snape talking about all of his stuff that he went through when he was attending Hogwarts with James and Lily and all of these different things, and, like... I go through and I just listen to all these freaking characters talk about their life. And I'm like, this is so amazing for like somebody who loves pop culture and loves geeks. But it's also terrifying because yeah, yes. you could do anything like this with anything. You can recreate voices. You could uh, create songs with AI like what uh, like we were talking about. But yeah, it's there's so many different things. It's wild. I think the more we introduce technology, you know, this there's kind of a I'm I'm doing kind of a scale, like a teetering scale and how it's switching maybe weight, but the more yeah. technology you introduce, I think the more and more and more attentive you you genuinely need to be on your mental mm. health because yeah. you take people out of a work environment, now they're working remote, there's no social life, right? Mm, so you take yeah. Any aspect out of a classic art, then you're going to be losing jobs. You know, you're going to be thinking that you're doing things wrong because somebody can do it or something can do it better or quicker or more efficiently. I just think there's a lot of attention just going back to literally point A on this podcast. uh, you, You have to focus on the way you feel, where you're present, you know, being able to validate yourself, be able to talk and verbalize things to yourself. Just really like being attentive to the emotions you're feeling because we're, we're advancing quite quickly when it comes to a technology. Mm. Yeah, we really are. And I mean, that's always good for full circle moments. That's why we get along. We got these full circle moments. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, dude, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. This was fun. I know it's so funny. I always introduce like, hey, we should talk about this or this element and then it kind of goes in a direction that's maybe a little bit different, but I right. like those conversations. They feel a little bit more natural. And you just brought some great insight into the film industry, classic movies, where we might be going, um, just also maybe your favorite elements. A lot of really, really cool concepts within this episode. So any last questions, comments, concerns, feedback, notes, anything on your mind? No, man. I just, I really, I can't thank you enough for giving me the platform. I really appreciate it. It's weird to be on the the opposite end of the table, Um, you know, interviewing people, but actually being interviewed because normally when I do that, I'm with Dustin and my man really loves to talk. So (laughs) to be able to have a whole hour long conversation, it's been it's been really fun. And yeah, with like minded individuals, it's been, you know, being able to talk about all these different aspects and you just get it. So I think it's been uh, it's been something special, man. I really appreciate it. Sweet, dude. Couldn't have said it better myself. For those listening, thank you genuinely for taking time out of your busy day. I know everybody's busy doing so many different things, whether that's with family, whether that's with friends, work, hobbies, you name it. We're all constantly, even mental health, working on that is definitely taxing in its own right. So focus on your mental health, take some time for yourself, put yourself first, and then just be caring to one another. So we'll chat with you next time. Peace. (laughs) 